I was so excited when I saw that song coming today. Do you know that the essence of that song comes from a story thousands of years ago of a king, an egotistical king, who was making everyone in the country bow down to an idol that he had built. And there were three guys who loved Creator God and simply said, no, we're not going to do that. It's one of the most powerful stories in God's Word, and I just thought it appropriate to share that before we pray this morning. It's in Daniel chapter 3, and the king says, if you will not worship it, you'll be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then, what God's going to be able to rescue from my hand then? Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, King Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But, listen to this, even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image that you have set up. The king was furious with them, and his attitude towards them changed, and he ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual. The furnace was so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These three men were firmly tied and fell into a blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw in the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. And he said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound, unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. The satraps, the prefects, the governors, and royal advisors crowded around. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was there a hair on their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. That's the God we serve. Amen. Even in the fire, God is right there. Heavenly Father, I know in this room there are people standing in the fire this very moment. Some of them, it may be a choice that they've made to stand for right and stand for truth, just like these three guys. But there may be others in this room who are standing in the fire of a terrible health diagnosis or a fractured marriage or unimaginable debt or an addiction or a family member who has wandered far from you or a relationship that seems hopelessly lost or grief that seems unbearable and Lord many other ways that the enemy can make us feel hopeless and helpless but Father we're so grateful that you are in the fire with us and I pray that whoever is standing there this morning would have an encounter with you today that they are confident in you and your goodness and your ability to heal and deliver and to bring hope in that situation. But Father, would you also give us the same faith of these three guys that said, even if God chooses not to deliver in the way that we would choose, that we will hold strong to our faith in you and know that you are enough. 
Father, I thank you for that hope today. Thank you for being a God who is on our side, who is good no matter what, who loves us supremely. Lord, we just thank you for your spirit that is meeting with us this morning. Father, as Brad comes to share from your word, we open our hearts to you and we say, yes, Lord, to what you have for us. We want to hear from you this morning and we want to be changed because of that. So have your way in these moments ahead. Again, we love you today. Amen. Amen. We serve a great God, don't we? Feel free to be seated. It is a privilege to have... Reverend Professor Brad Whitaker to share from God's Word this morning. I'm so thankful that we have people like Brad influencing our college students on a daily basis. And we're so grateful and we love having him and Leslie and their family as part of New Life. So let's just open up to God as he comes to share with us. Thanks, Tom. It is absolutely a joy to be with you. You're my people. This is my home church, and it's an honor to be able to share the Word of God with you. Um, if you would turn in your Bibles to Numbers, the fourth book of the, uh, of the Old Testament, we're going to be reading from chapter 21 here in a few minutes, and we'll also have the scripture up on the screen. Um, as Tom mentioned, I'm currently faculty over at MVNU, and one of the things that I absolutely love about being a part of that community is that it's a community of faith. It's a community of learning. And also what I love about that is the opportunity to work with people who were impacted by my dad. Um, he worked there for uh, 15 years. And a few years ago, I was digging through a box of uh, some cards and notes that he had collected from students and I came across this really simple post-it note that had been left on his door. I think you might know this guy. The note says, hey, Doc, stop by to chat. I'll try to catch you later. Troy. P.S. Krista's pregnant. So that was fun to find. And the connections that I have with uh, folks who encountered my dad has been an incredible blessing before we read from the book of uh, Numbers in our, for our scripture for today, I, I want to make sure that I tell you that as much as I enjoy teaching mathematics, I, even more than that, enjoy telling folks the story of God, sharing and teaching about Jesus. And I, and I hope that today, I hope you'll hear a story about God and his faithfulness and his good work in our lives. You, you may have heard it said that, you know, there's this 30,000-foot story of, of the, the work of God, the story of God, but there's also this on-the-ground story that we're a part of, and sometimes that story can be messy. Sometimes that story can be painful, but even in that, God is good. I, I mentioned my dad. In, in 2011, my dad... He had pneumonia, and I was sitting in his hospital room one weekend. I had traveled down to Dayton, and it came Sunday afternoon, and I'm like, hey, Dad, um, I should head back. I've got to teach tomorrow, but I'll 
If you're still here next week, I'll come back. All right. I came back the next weekend because we needed to plan a funeral. <coughs> April 2011. In May of 2012, after battling uh, cancer for 11 years, like a warrior and a daughter of God that she was, my sister, Cinda, a wife, a daughter, and mom of three, she died. I remember that moment. I remember that time kind of as a fog. Um, I remember trying to navigate those days as a godly husband and dad and son, trying to help our family navigate the, the, the pain and the grief and the loss and those questions that well up inside of you when you see your dad and your sister die, when you watch your sons as they're grappling with the loss of their grandpa and their aunt. Why is this happening, God? Why is this happening? As if that wasn't enough, my grandpa died in 2014, and just a year later, 2015, my grandma died. And I'm 54, and I'll be the first in line to give witness to the fact that bad things happen to good people. Bad things happen to people. Bad things just happen. And after a few funerals, it's sometimes, I mean, it's clear. It's clear that it's sometimes really difficult to know what to say in those moments. Uh, I'm really sorry for your loss. Thank you. Heaven must have needed another angel? It, it, it must have been his time? Everything happens for a reason. I, I think it's important to be a little more cautious. I think we need to think about that. Well, let's go back to a story that, that Troy mentioned a couple weeks ago. And it takes place in that context of the, the Israelites are wandering through the desert for 40 years because... They disobeyed God when he told them to take the promised land the first time. And so our scripture for today comes there in Numbers chapter 21, beginning with verse 4 and reading through verse 7. They traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to grow around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way, and they spoke against God and against Moses. And they said, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread. There is no water, and we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them, and they bit the people, and many Israelites died. 
the people came to Moses and said, we sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. So pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people, and the Lord said to Moses, make a snake and put it up on a pole, and anyone who's bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. The venomous snakes were still biting, but God provided. God provided a way for them to live. Why were the snakes biting? Well, the Israelites said it themselves. They came to Moses and said, we have sinned. The reason was sin. Okay. I understand the statement that we sometimes hear, everything happens for a reason. I do. But have we really thought about the reason? Especially, have we really thought about the reason why bad things happen? If we're going to say that everything happens for a reason, some of the reasons are going to be hard to admit. Sin. Selfishness. Pride. Envy. Jealousy. Evil. Anger. Violence. Or people just making really bad choices. Also, because of sin and brokenness in this world that has been ravaged by sin, you can see it. You can see it in our weather, our natural disasters, our disease, our viruses, wars and fighting. There is sin in this world. The venomous snakes are still biting. If you're following along in your Bible, turn over to the New Testament, in the book of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and chapter 3. It's going to be on the screen. But here, Nicodemus and Jesus are talking. Nicodemus, Nicodemus came to Jesus under the cover of night to ask some probing questions. And John 3, 14 and 15, Jesus says this, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness... So the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Just as Moses lifted up the snake? Yes. Jesus, the Son of Man, must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. So sin and brokenness are still a present reality. But we have a Savior. We have a Redeemer. We have a means of eternal life. Our sin, the wages of our sin, were far too great for us to ever repay that debt. But Christ died on the cross. Now, I suspect that when I said John 3, 14 and 15, I wouldn't be surprised if your mind goes to 16. John 3, 16. Hold on a second. 
You may have heard that everything happens for a reason. So I'll say, listen to this very carefully, please. Listen to this and let me tell you about something very important that happened for a very specific reason. For God so loved the world that he gave us his son as a fully human baby who grew up and showed us how to live. He was handed over in full innocence to Pontius Pilate. He suffered grueling punishment, was nailed to a cross, and was lifted up to die. He was buried in a tomb. On the third day, the power of the Holy Spirit rolled that stone away, conquered death, and rose Jesus back to life. Why? What was the reason for this? The reason for this is love. God loves you and would stop at nothing. He, would, he loves you and would stop at nothing to have a relationship with you so that he can not only live with you on a daily basis here, but then that you would have eternal life with him. He wants to live in your heart. He wants to comfort and guide and to teach you like a good shepherd. Like a good shepherd. Psalm 23 has become, has become very personal to me. Starting in verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything that I need. That is truth. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything that I need. Dropping down into verse 4. Even though, it doesn't say if or maybe. It says even though or even though I walk through the darkest valley. Even though I walk through that valley that is in the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Rod and staff, what is that? Your disciplines and your teachings. Your disciplines and your teachings, they comfort me. Those spiritual disciplines, those godly teachings, those disciplines that cultivate and care the soil of our souls. Some of those disciplines are things like, well, the inward disciplines of prayer, study, and fasting, and those outward disciplines, those corporate disciplines of confession, worship, and learning together. Living life together in the community of faith, the rod and the staff of God, the disciplines and those teachings, they comfort us. Speaking of walking through the valley of the shadow of death, in February of 2016, um, I was diagnosed with stage three cancer. And I had heard that cancer is bad. Chemo is ugly.
but God is good. And even though, and I say we, because when you have cancer, your family has a battle on their hands. And even though we were walking through that valley right there in the shadow of death of cancer and chemo, God was faithful. He gifted folks in the medical industry who know what to do. The good, bad, ugly chemo did its job. The church came alongside of us, people of, of faith came alongside of us. And I've got scars, but thanks be to God, I am cancer-free for five years going on six. And that is because of God's presence. I'll tell you, folks, there are scars. And sometimes those scars are tender. And sometimes those scars just are bare. But God is faithful. God is still healing. God is still working. This church, New Life, you guys, came alongside us in January of 2019 when Leslie's father was diagnosed with, with cancer and he was placed into hospice pretty much right away. And then in February of 2019, I remember the calling hours and the funeral. I remember it clearly. We were there with Leslie's family and friends. And so it was new life. Folks, folks from this very room came and joined us in that moment. They had supported us over the previous month, and they were there that day. Let me, let me be careful here. You, you could be hearing me tell of these events over the past several years, and you think, oh, Brad, that's terrible, or wow, the Whitakers have really been through the ringer. But, but please, my hope for today and my prayer is that you will instead hear a story about God. And you will say with us, God, you are faithful. This is a story of his faithfulness. This is a story of his being with us, him showing up again and again and again. And through this story, through this journey that we have been on, by the grace of God, we've been able to come up beside some folks who are now going through a similar journey, who have recently gone through a similar journey. We get to be the hands and the feet and the voice of God. We get to be the, the, the physical presence of Christ when we come alongside each other. We really do need each other and, and we get to be salt and light. We get to be hope to the hopeless, peace in the chaos, rest for the weary. We get to carry each other's burdens and in this way fulfill the law of Christ, which is to love the Lord our God with every fiber of our being and to love our neighbor as ourselves. God is present. 
God is a suffering God. Christ suffered for us, and he suffers with us. In the same way that, that God was with Daniel in the lion's den, the same way that he was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace with the disciples in the boat in the storm, he was with Stephen as they drug him out of the town and they stoned him to death because of his faith. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Who says that? Stephen, full of faith and full of hope in Christ, understanding that he was a servant of God and God was present. You know who was standing there while Stephen was being stoned? A guy by the name of Saul. He was holding the coats because you really can't throw a stone really well if you're wearing a heavy coat. So Saul held the coats. Saul had an encounter with God. Saul was given a new name, Paul. And Paul suffered for his faith. But God was with him. God was with him in prison and empowered him to be able to write letters of encouragement and teaching. We find those all through much of the New Testament. Sometimes we realize that we never knew how painful life could be. But I can tell you this for sure. It's in those moments that we can learn that we never knew how good Jesus is. That his presence, his peace, his comfort, his holy embrace are so good. Jesus said, listen, if my life has taught you anything into this world, there will be trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And on that night that Jesus was betrayed, at the Last Supper, when Jesus is affirming his disciples and says, I am leaving, but I won't leave you. The Father is going to send an advocate, going to send the Holy Spirit. And So Jesus says, peace I leave you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. One of the gifts of God that sustains us and empowers us is the, the grace that we have been able to see this peace that he speaks of in very tangible ways. In 1998, Leslie's brother um, passed away waiting for a, a lung transplant. As he was lying in his bed, just about to take his final breath, I wasn't there. Leslie was, and to this day, her face lights up when she talks about this. He was about to take his final breath. He sat up in bed. He raised his hands. And then a peace came over him, and he laid down. Say what you want, but I know 
God met him right there. On the night that my dad was going to be taken off of the ventilator, I was able to stand on one side of the bed and hold his hand. The ventilator had been removed, and we just knew it was a matter of minutes as his breathing slowed and his heart slowed. And in walks the palliative doctor. Just, I figure, oh, you're doing your job. And the palliative doctor, his name's Eric. And Eric held my dad's hand. And he looked at me and he goes, Brad? Yes. The palliative doctor knew my name. This was not sure what was going on. And then he said this. Your dad was one of my favorite professors at MVNU. You want to talk about the grace of God? Showed up that night. His name was Eric. And my dad, his son on one side and a student on the other, very peacefully, his heart stopped and he took his last breath. My sister, my sister Senda, the night before the day that she passed away, we were all in the hospice room together. And she had one of those incredibly lucid moments that, that we hear about that sometimes people have before they pass away. She was so alert. She, you would almost think, oh, she's making a recovery. But we knew what was really going on. And so she was smiling. She really was quite alert. And she looked around the room and she says, I'm going to see Jesus really soon, and I am so excited. Folks, that's the peace that passes understanding. That's the peace of God that only he can give, not as the world gives. The evening that Leslie's dad took his final breath, his face was peace, and my goodness, the sunset that broke through was so beautiful. No guilt in life, no fear and death. This is the power of Christ in us. Oh, don't get me wrong. It's really hard to say, I'll see you later, and know that that's going to be a good time. But even in those moments, God is with us. Emmanuel. A few minutes ago, you saw the words up on the screen. A few minutes ago, we sang, there is grace when the heart is under fire. And that song ended with, I'll count the joy come every battle, because I know that's where you'll be. There's no better place to be than with Jesus. And where does Jesus always show up? In our suffering. He is present. He is there James chapter 1 says it this way, Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds because the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And so let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Paul in Philippians chapter 10, he says, I want to be like Christ. I want to know Christ. And I don't care if that even means knowing his suffering but I want to be able to participate in the resurrection. 
We want to be like Christ, which there is no greater calling than to follow Christ. To really be like Christ means to have a life that only can sustain with the peace of God, with the presence of God, with the comfort of God. The war, the war has already been won through the blood, death, and resurrection of Christ. But the battle still rages for your soul every day. Every day we have to take up our cross and follow him. Every day we, all to Jesus, I surrender. Everything and nothing less. Every day I must become less so that he can become more. Every day it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Every day I consecrate, daily consecration to God. Every day, that's how you win the battle. He wants to be in your life. He wants to be in your fire. He wants to be in your flood. He wants to be in your pain and in your disappointment. He loves you desperately and will journey with you so that he can be your comfort and your peace in the midst of the storm. You simply must surrender and let him be Lord of your life. And so we ask the question, why is this happening? I think it's okay to ask that question, but I think something's far more important. Instead of saying, why is this happening? Jesus, I give this to you. Jesus, take my life and let it be consecrated to you. Take my pain, take my loss, take my disappointment. I give this to you. There are those in a battle right now. And, and they're, they're praying for a move of God. And many times, church, we're called to be that move of God. That's why we come together. That's why we journey together, to help carry each other's burdens that's why we have life groups, foster life, teen life, men's prayer breakfast. That's why we support Starting Point and Winter Sanctuary and Place for Grace. That's why we have a greenhouse. I love the imagery of a greenhouse. A greenhouse, not only for a place that we can support and nurture and hold our life groups, but think about it this way. You can grow through any season of life with a greenhouse. We have resources, we have people, we have places that you can plug in at this church where you can be nourished, where you can find community, where you can travel together so that we can carry each other's burdens, so that we can be the body of Christ and carry each other and help each other through this life. And God is with us through the power of the Holy Spirit. We, the church, can partner with God so that we can be his comforting presence. His comforting presence not only to each other, but also to our community. 
Now, I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. It changed me. And I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit to speak to you above and beyond what you've heard come through my voice. And I think that we have to respond. I really believe there are some in this room that when you see, when you see Jesus, I give you this. Jesus, I give this to you. I really believe you're thinking, I haven't even given him my life yet. It starts there. Jesus isn't going to come knock down your door. He isn't going to come kidnap you. It begins with you saying, God, I need to give you this. I need to give you my life. All to Jesus, I surrender. I I think there's some other ways that we can respond to what we've heard this morning, but I think we have to start there. And so... Let me, I'm going to pause for a minute here. And if that's you, if today, right now, you realize, God, I just need to give you my life. I need a Savior. I need your comfort. I need your presence. I need your help. And I want you to be in my heart. I want you to be Lord of my life. I would love to pray for you. I would love to pray with you. If that's you, let me be sure you understand this. We are going to be so excited if you would stand and accept Christ into your heart. This is not a judging moment. This is a, ooh, yes, welcome to the family. Yes, welcome to your life in Christ. Because we've all been where you are. We all had to come to our faith. So in a moment, I want you to stand and I will pray for you and with you so that you can invite Christ into your life. And we will all join and pray for you in this newfound life in Jesus. If that's you, would you stand right where you are so I can pray for you and with you? Amen. I see that. Anybody else? Anybody else? We are celebrating because we know what Christ is going to do. Anybody else want to stand and and say, count me in. I want to be a part. I want God to be Lord of my life. Just a few more seconds. All right. Brother, let's pray. God, I need you. I need you today in my life. Be my Lord, be my rock, and be my king. Take my life and show me how to live, how to faithfully follow you. Give me your peace. Show me your hope and teach me your ways, God. I give you my life and I trust that you will give life to me. Amen. I think there's a couple of other ways that you can respond. 
There are some folks right here, right now, who are in their fire. They're in their flood. They're in their pain. They're in their confusion. You are feeling the heat. And you know you need a Savior. Yes, you love God and you have given your life to Him. But in the midst of this fire, in the midst of this pain, in the midst of this struggle, you just need His assurance. You just need His help. And He wants to give that to you. There are also those of us whose hearts are just broken because we know somebody who's going through who's going through pain, who's going through the fire, who's going through their own personal flood, and you just want to pray for them. There is nothing magical about these altars up here. You can pray in your seat, but I want to tell you, there is something really powerful about coming to these altars because they represent the feet of Jesus, and it's a way for you to say, I need God in this moment. And folks can come around and pray with you and pray for you because you're not in this alone. Praise God, I've never been in this alone. It's the only way that I've made it, and that's the only way that you'll make it if you will allow folks to journey with you. So whether it's you in the fire or whether you know somebody who is going through their own fire, I invite you as we sing and as Ryan and the worship team lead us, I invite you to come pray and we will celebrate God showing up and being a comfort and being the rock and the shepherd that you need in this moment. So as we sing, obey God and let's pray.
so much that you are with us, that we can experience your presence, and that in our pain, you're there. We thank you that you are worthy of our faith and of our trust, especially in difficult situations. today. I pray that you experience the presence and the peace and the love of Jesus. And you guys have a great week. We'll see you guys next week.